Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. This podcast is sponsored by Privy. Privy is the fastest way to grow sales with email and SMS. You can build your list, save abandoned carts, send money-making emails and texts, and more, all in one place. Plus, you'll get coaching and support from e-commerce experts no matter where you start. Sign up for a free 15-day trial today by heading over to www.privy.com slash winning to get started. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interviewing the experts to help you thrive and build an e-commerce business that makes you more money. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. If it's your first time, welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you with us today. If you've been tuning in for a while, welcome back. I would love to hear from you uh, because I see thousands of you in our analytics. This week in particular, and I'm going to shout this out the next few weeks, we're going to build up to do an extra episode, like a midweek episode. We normally post on Fridays. But we're working our way up to do a midweek episode. Something that came to my attention a few weeks ago from some of the emails I get from some of our listeners and some of our dedicated subscribers is that a lot of you guys want to know more about me. And I don't really know how to bring that up without just talking about myself. And you also have lots of questions about Shopify, about marketing, some things that have really quick answers, some that are a bit more complicated. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a Q&A podcast. So what I'd love for all of you to do is to go onto the winningwithshopify.com website, fill out the form on the site, send us in a quick question. There's just a general contact form. I think there is a question one on there as well. Fill out any of the forms on our website, send in a question you would like us to ask. Now, if we choose to use your question and we cover your question in that episode, probably I'm guessing it's going to be in the middle of May, possibly towards the end of May. But if we use your question, we will not only shout out your name and store, your Shopify store, we will also link to your store in the description, which means you get a link from Apple, a link from Shopify. And today we're talking about SEO. So this is all going to be incredibly relevant. So please do go and send us a question on there and make sure with your question as well, make sure you tell us your name, the name and the name of your store as well with a link to the store. And we'll shout you out. We'll add that into the description and get all of that going. That is the end of this week's announcements. So thanks for listening. We're going to be talking this week, as I'm sure you've seen on the title, and you probably got very excited. And it's a bit of a clickbaity one. So I'm expecting lots and lots of listeners and lots of questions after this as well. But today, there's going to be two of us doing a masterclass on SEO, specifically on Shopify. So we're doing a Shopify SEO masterclass. As always, I've got a very special guest with me. His name's Brandon, and he's from a company called SEO Optimizers. So without further ado, Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to sharing some knowledge and tips about SEO and how to use it for Shopify. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you with us. And as always, Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself, a bit about the business and a little bit about your background. And you told me a little stat before we started. Tell us about how long you've been working in SEO as well. My name is Brandon Leibowitz and I've been involved with digital marketing since 2007. Got my degree in business marketing and my first job was in digital marketing, kind of fell into it, didn't really know much about it. And the company I worked at was an e-commerce website and or business, and they didn't know much about digital marketing either. And they're like, all right, we want you to come in, kind of learn with us. We're going to take you to classes and workshops and let you learn about SEO and social media, email marketing, doing paid ads. 
kind of doing everything, even taking pictures of their products and added to the website for them. And back then I kind of realized that I feel like everyone's going to have a website in the future and SEO is a way to get free traffic. Not saying the other ways don't work, which I highly recommend doing email marketing, social media, paid ads, it all works, but SEO is a way to get free traffic. And if you can get free traffic, why pay for it? So that's really why I focused over the years and worked at different advertising agencies, worked at mom and pop shops and kind of everything in between and kind of want to share my knowledge with others. Nice, nice. And I think certainly, was it 2007 you said you started in, uh, in digital? Just out of interest then, as we're talking about Shopify on the podcast, what platform were you using back then and how different was that to Shopify? Mm, yeah, it was much different. I forgot things. I think it was called Volusion. But that was, and then that was at the e-commerce website. But then other people I worked with back then, be like straight up Dreamweaver, just custom coding. <laughs> and it was tricky. I mean, nowadays it's so much better with these platforms, but Volusion definitely helped out a lot. I mean, didn't do everything that these platforms do nowadays, but definitely took care of a few things. But it was still clunky and not the best. But anything to help out because I'm not a programmer, don't know coding. I know basic HTML, but other than that, that's kind of my extent to to coding side of things. So definitely rely on these platforms to help out and help different areas to put keywords and things like that, title tags, meta descriptions, optimize your images and all that technical on-page SEO things that you would want to be able to do. Luckily, nowadays, most platforms let you do everything, but back then it was kind of tough. You're kind of limited to what they would let you do. Yeah, I mean, I the only time I ever used Dreamweaver was for a school project. And I remember sitting at school and telling my teachers, like, no one's going to use this. This is not how you build websites. And they told me I was wrong and that's the way everybody's going to do it. And I've never touched it since. Uh, so I think, I don't, I'm not saying I was right, but, you know, I think school was so far from, uh, certainly back then in sort of, that would have been like 2003 or something. Yeah, it was so far from, from where we needed to be. But anyway, we thankfully do have Shopify these days. So let's come on to SEO for Shopify. So just give us a quick kind of like one or two lines on just for anyone who's like, okay, SEO, I'm new to this. What on earth is that? Brandon, what is SEO? SEO is search engine optimization, which means optimizing your website for the different search engines out there to show up higher when people are looking for your product or service or whatever it may be that you want to rank for. But it's essentially getting you up on whether it's Google, Bing, Yahoo, or even if you're a local business, getting you up ranking on Yelp or Google My Business or TripAdvisor or whatever's popular in your country or city or where you're located because it's all about just trying to optimize for that. Like even Amazon can optimize for Amazon's algorithm. There's always an algorithm and it's really optimizing whatever you're trying to promote to get you that free traffic so you're not paying for ads, but getting in the free results, the organic results. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more. And I think the best thing about SEO, as you mentioned, is it's, it's free traffic. So if you optimize for a search engine, it's going to be completely free and yeah, f fantastic way to uh, fantastic way to start driving traffic through. We're going to dive into the masterclass now for everybody listening. Um, we're going to split this into three sections, the three big sections, I would say, of SEO. So we're first going to talk about technical and some of the technical things you can optimize on your Shopify store. Then we're going to talk about content and then we're going to talk about offsite. So kick us off, Brandon. What are some of the technical things you should be optimizing on your Shopify store? So with technical SEO, it's more of going in and fixing or going to the coding and making changes to the coding. So the more important things are like title tags, making sure that you optimize title tag, the meta description. So when you're in Shopify, 
or if you're on a different platform, but most platforms say SEO or Shopify says SEO settings on each page. And it's really going in each page and optimizing it. You're not just optimizing your website, but every individual page on your website is an opportunity to rank for different keywords. So going in and if you're an e-commerce website and you have 10,000 products, it might be a little overwhelming. So I would definitely focus on the more important things like the homepage is always going to get more traffic or categories or collections is what it's called in Shopify. But focusing on that and trying to just have a structure and a hierarchy of your website that makes sense and definitely try to utilize categories because categories are what Google is going to more than likely show. Mm. Like if you imagine you might be selling shoes and if someone's searching for like running shoes, they don't want to be taken to like one individual product page because that might not be the shoe that they're looking for. So it's better to have a category of running shoes that's optimized that way they get to a page where there's multiple options that they could choose from if they're looking for whatever style colors, but it's all there. So collections are really very important and breaking it up and really thinking about your website structure and looking at your competitors. The nice thing about digital marketing is everything is out there in the open. So I could see what you're doing and you can see what I'm doing. And I really recommend spying on the competition <laughs> and looking at the structuring because they're doing the work for you. So if they're spending all that time and especially if it's a big company too, like if you have some big corporate company or competitors, you can look at how they're structuring it because they have whole teams of people doing SEO, doing keyword research, trying to figure out what's the best way to structure it, where to put those keywords and how to utilize it all. So definitely try to jump on that as much as possible. But Shopify does have like plugins or extensions, add-ons that will help out with SEO that will kind of enhance it. The more important thing really is the title tag for SEO, like for on-page SEO is going in and optimizing that title tag by putting keywords in it. And the title tag is such a that blue clickable link. So if you're searching in Google, you'll see there's a blue clickable link and the black text underneath it. That blue clickable link is called the SEO title tag. And that's where everyone is putting their keywords. So if you want to find your competitors real quickly, you can just go into Google, search for their keywords, see what blue clickable link that they're using. And you can see if they're using like plurals, synonyms or variations or just some industry jargon that you've never heard of. And that's going to give you ideas of keywords quickly to potentially use on your website or create pages about those keywords. Because again, you can really only target about three to five words per page or keywords per page. So if you're trying to target more keywords, got to break out that website and create new pages. The more pages you have, the more opportunities you have to rank for different keywords and the better off or happier Google's going to be. But there are a lot of parts to on or technical SEO, like speed. I would make sure that your website loads quickly using like Google Page Speed Insights, a free tool from Google. And it'll show you how fast or how slow your website loads. But just take everything with a grain of salt. Most websites, I mean, almost every website fails that test. So just be aware. It's just part of their algorithm. There's a lot of variables that go into Google's algorithm. And this one's probably not the biggest for SEO yet. It's definitely very important for people especially on mobile, if they're on your website and it loads slowly, it's going to be a bad user experience. So got to make sure that that is just as streamlined as possible. Same with like making sure it's mobile friendly. If you're not mobile friendly, Google's not going to show you on the mobile devices, which brings in the majority of the traffic nowadays, but also making sure it's easy to use and easy to navigate on mobile. That's also very important for people. So trying to balance the making Google happy with also making people happy because Making Google happy will get you traffic, but 
if your website's not optimized to convert that traffic into leads, they're just going to kind of drop off. So you got to also think about the people and how you can optimize all the technical aspects or the verbiage on your website to resonate with both Google and with people. I mean, there's, there's so much in there. So I think let's, let's roll back and take some of those bits and start to digest them. I think you mentioned title tags. And I think title tags, certainly when we start on any site, title tags are one of the first things we optimize. So I guess the first question is, how do you decide what to put in the title tag? Like, what is the difference between a good title tag and a bad title tag? The best way is to look at your competitors. And like I was saying, like, throw your keywords. Like, if you're selling running shoes, just type into Google running shoes and see what other people are using that blue clickable link. But the title tag should be about 60 characters. So you'll see that some of them will have a little dot, dot, dot at the end. That means they're getting cut off. So it's around 60 characters. It's okay to go a little bit over or a little bit under, but you want to try to get as close as possible because you want to put as many keywords as possible. You don't want to make them short title tags because then you're just missing out on opportunities to rank for more keywords, unless there are no other keywords to put in there. But usually you want to try to put as many keywords as possible in there without repeating yourself. You want to do keyword research to figure out what the search volume is on these keywords to figure out, do I want it to rank for running shoe or running shoes? Because singular versus plural is going to have a significantly different amount of search volume. So you want to find out which ones get the most search volume and try to incorporate that into the SEO title tag. Also looking for like buyer intent keywords. So keywords that have intent for that search or to actually want to buy your product, not just browse around your website, but actually look to buy it. So like maybe someone's searching for men's running shoes, size 10, color brown. They're ready to make a purchase. They know they're looking for running shoes, size 10, brown, colored. They have that intent. So longer tail keywords also entail that intent. Anything that's more than two or more words. Like one word keywords like shoes or running shoes, there's not much intent behind that. It can mean a bunch of different things. Like what are shoes? What are running shoes? How do I find them? What type of running shoes are there? It doesn't mean they want to buy running shoes necessarily. So having longer tail keywords, keywords that are two or more words, less people are going to be searching for it, but the people searching for it have intent. And intent is really key. You don't want to just be ranking just to rank. Definitely. And in terms of finding keywords, I can highly recommend looking at a whole range of SEO tools from Google Keyword Planner, free as part of the Google Ads suite. You don't actually need to be running a campaign either to, to get that. You've mentioned as well, Brandon, about looking at what competitors are targeting. So I think understanding which part of the title tag is the keyword using keyword data as well, I think is super important. And I'd also recommend looking at some other things like SEMrush is the most popular SEO tool on the planet at the moment. But there's lots of other tools out there that you can get a, a keyword tool that will recommend keywords to use. We'll also help you track keywords. So you can see if you start mentioning them more in product titles, collection titles, that you actually start to rank for those as well. Let's come on then to categories, because I, I think this might stretch into content a little bit as well. A lot of these things are intertwined. You sort of can't have good content in your site without good technical. But one of the other things you mentioned, Brandon, was uh, about, about categories or category structure. Um, obviously, Shopify calls and collections. But absolutely right. I would completely agree that in my experience, I see Google always wanting to send traffic to a collection rather than direct to product. And that's because, as you say, if someone's got a super long tail keyword, they know the product, the size, the color, and a whole range of other things they've put into that keyword search in Google. Actually, showing them on a product, on exactly the right product, et cetera, is exactly what you should be doing. But most people don't search like that. You know, they're going to look for a just general, I want some black and white high top trainers, which therefore means you and your site need to work out how to have a category 
for that list of products. It's a word we use in the SEO world, quite a nerdy word called taxonomy, which basically is another word for hierarchy or structure. So the structure of your categories from homepage into your first categories that might be like men's and women's, for example, and then your next level of categories underneath that might then go through different types of clothing. And then the next category underneath that might be sizes or materials or whatever you decide is the next space to go down. But essentially, you're trying to build a category for every single type of keyword search. You've always got a nice list of products to show to your customers at all times. Again, using keyword data and all that sort of stuff to go in there. I guess a good question to ask you, Brandon, is what, what are some of the pitfalls you've found when people are actually structuring and organizing their site? Like, What sort of stuff do people generally get wrong on Shopify with the category structure and the categories they choose? Well, first one would be not even using categories or collections. <laughs> I see people just yep. throwing up products and like well we need to structure this out a little bit so that'd be the first thing is not even utilizing them or using too many of them and just going overboard and just having hundreds or thousands of categories when you don't necessarily need all them like they're just breaking them all up and the best yeah you need a really just simple is better less is better sometimes where you're focused on what's important what people are actually going to be searching for or utilizing not just creating categories to just create them and that's where spying on your competition really helps out go into google search for your keywords see who ranks on that first page of google open up all their websites and see how they structure their website see what categories they have and if they're relevant incorporate them into your website if they're not skip them over but look at what other people are doing because it'll give you ideas and get you thinking in a new way that you might not have thought of before, but it really is important to structure it out in a way, even if you just sit there on a piece of paper and pen, like draw it out, but you have to have a hierarchy. It's really, really important to have like categories, subcategories, sub subcategories, and just keep going on and on and on, but you have. And keep it organized as well. I think that's the other thing that I see a lot of stores getting wrong is they have thousands of collections, which is fine, but there's no structure to them. It's just like, they're all just kind of there. The other one we had as well is we had some some clients that had a menu that kind of went left to right across the top of the site. And when we first turned up, they had one in particular was a dress company and they had some dress collections based on the occasion you would wear the dress to, other ones based on color, other ones based on size. And it was like, it was just a complete mix of things. So one of our first big recommendations was to make the menu sort of shop by size, shop by color, shop by occasion, shop by what we called collection. So how we actually stuck them all together based on this is our whatever range, this is our next range, this is our next range sort of thing. Again, I just think you've got to have that structure to it. Otherwise, it just gets really messy. You end up with thousands of different page, well, collections all over the place. And then Google struggles to really understand where should this product actually live? You know, what, what, what collections is this product actually relevant to? Because it seems to be in all of them. Yep, that is the main thing is Google is just, Unfortunately, a dumb robot. They're not that <laughs> smart yet. They're getting there, but they need to really spoon feed them in, help them out. And if as Google's listening, we love you to bits, but yeah, it is dumb. Dumb robot is a very good way of describing uh, Google's crawler pots. Yeah, yeah. They're getting smarter. They're working on it, but the more you help Google out, the more they're going to reward you. So breaking it up, making it easy for Google to understand your website, what it is, what you're selling, how it's structured. Otherwise, if it's just all these collections just jumbled together, they're going to get confused and they only have so much crawl element too. So they're only going to go to so many pages that they're getting lost and buried in it. So got to make it easy and structure it out. Really, really important is do that before you build the website or if you already built your website, sit down and potentially think about restructuring it because it is important to have a good structure and hierarchy and help Google out. 
Definitely. And last thing we'll talk about on technical, I think, just because otherwise we could do an entire episode on, on technical. And I think we'd probably bore a lot of people that are waiting for the content section. But last thing, which is quite a, you, you brought it up already, which I think is a really big topic. It can be quite controversial and that's page speed. And you mentioned already that like it, it's important that it's not too slow, that doesn't annoy the user. I would talk about page speed as like a race. If you're the fastest runner in that race, you're going to win it. So the best thing to do is search some of your keywords, have a look at the top five or 10 sites on there at the moment, run them through Google PageSpeed and just make sure you're faster than they are. We get a lot of inquiries at Just Ask Parker, which is one of my businesses. We get a lot of inquiries, people saying, can you just make my site faster for me? And often if you make a site faster, you often compromise other things. It's not as simple as just, I don't know, pumping a bit more coal in the fire and the train goes faster. You actually have to do quite a lot to it and make some decisions to go, okay, actually, we're not going to use that app anymore. We're not going to have this functionality. We're not going to use that font. So if there's one thing people could do to improve page speeds without compromising any of that sort of stuff, what would you recommend people start with just to try and improve it quite quickly? Don't upload high resolution or big pictures. If your website's only showing images that are 500 by 500 pixels and you're uploading 5,000, I mean, images are the number one thing that slows down websites. So deleting old images, if you have lots of logos, like, I know some platforms will just store all those images and that really, really slows down the website, but just upload them or even just compress the images before you upload them to shrink down the size. And yeah, that would be the, the quickest, easiest win is just those images. Images take up a lot of time or low time. No, I completely agree. And also there's a new format for images, which Shopify started rolling out if people have upgraded. I think, I think it's only on Shopify I forget all the numbers. I think it's on Shopify 2, which came out last summer. If people have upgraded to that, it should now show your images in the new format, which is called WebP. So W-E-B-P. And that's a new format that's specifically designed for websites. There's loads of free compression tools out there, but if you can make the image small in the first place, you know, don't export it at 50,000 pixels wide because the average screen finishes at 2,000 pixels wide. And most of your customers are on mobile, which is probably what, I don't know, 400 or something wide. Yeah. So you certainly don't need a 50,000 wide image. So if you've taken them on a DSLR or something and then just literally uploaded them into the site, you're going to have a slow site. Even with, even with compression tools and stuff, it's not going to get any better. Right, let's talk about content. I find content is the one that most Shopify stores are most interested in talking about because you can physically see it, can't you? You can see the, the, the text, the imagery, and the videos, which is what content is. So when you're running a blog, or even when you're running like a lead generation site, if you're a service-based business, there's content all over the place. You know, how we do our service, what services we offer, or blog posts. The blog itself is content. It's why somebody's there. But in e-commerce, content's a bit different, isn't it? So I guess first question, Brent, is where do we find content? Where should people be looking to build and write and create content on their site, specifically as it's a shop? You want to put content on pretty much any page that you want to rank in Google. So Google feeds off content. And struggles to read images and videos are getting better at it, but mm. can't really read your images and videos. All they really see is the file name of your image. So when you upload your images, before you upload them to your website, make sure you name them with descriptive words. And they also look at the alt tag. Those are like the two more important things. Mm -hmm. There's other stuff they look at, but they can't really read those images. So they need content. The more content you put on, the better. And I would really focus on adding content to the homepage and the category collection pages. You don't have to necessarily add content to every product page because it might be tough. Like if you're, because usually you want to put about 400 words of content. And if you're going to 
be selling like blue jeans, how are you going to write 400 words of unique content? Because it has to be 100% unique. Mm. If it's been copied from one page to another, from another website to yours, or from a manufacturer or a wholesaler distributor, and you're copying it verbatim, you're actually going to get penalized. Google doesn't want duplicate content. Google feeds off original content. So whoever published the content first, they get all the credit. So if you're copying it from another website, they're going to get all the credit, and you're potentially going to get penalized from Google, which instead of ranking higher, they would potentially move you down, drop you down, which is the last thing you want to happen. So They also don't tell you they've moved you down, which is even more frustrating. Yeah, they don't want to tell you. They're happy to penalize you because then you're going to run paid ads, and that's how they make all their money. They want you to run those paid ads. <laughs> so just be careful with that content. But as long as it's original, you should be fine. And usually it's about 400 words of content per page. The more you can put on, the better, because Google really feeds off it. And I know a lot of people are saying, I don't want to put 400 words of content on my website. It's going to make it look ugly on every page. Well, I'll put it at the very bottom of each page. So I don't necessarily have to put it at the top, but just start at the very bottom. Just don't hide it. Like if you're hiding it in font size 0.001 yeah. with white text and your background is white, Google's going to then also potentially penalize you for trying to be deceitful. But as long as you put it at the bottom and don't try to hide it, you'll be fine because you also have to think about it. Most people don't scroll down. So I believe it's like 70% of people don't scroll down on a website. So whatever you see at the top of the website, it's called the button fold. So having all your permanent good information, a call to action, the value proposition, all that important stuff at the above the fold is important. And then below the fold is where most people don't scroll, but Google reads from top to bottom or the Google spider will read the coding. So they're going to see that content most people aren't necessarily going to see that content, but Google will see it. And that just helps them better understand what that page is about to help with the rankings because Google really feeds off that content. Definitely. Definitely. Again, completely agree. I think having content on collections is really important. And one thing that Brandon didn't mention that I'm going to add because it's, it's something we focus on a lot. Completely agree we should add content to it. One thing to think about, and we do actually do this a lot, certainly with like Google Shopping, is you've got to think about where are people, you know, if you get everything right, where are people going to land on your site? And on Google Shopping, they land on a product page because they've clicked on a product. So they land on the product page. As Brandon mentioned earlier, they in SEO, they land on the collection page. And so actually, if the collection page has no content on it, no information about anything, it's just like, I don't know, women's hoodies, and then there's some hoodies. Don't get me wrong, that can still sell products quite well. Some customers will like that. That might be part of your ethos as a business. But not having anything to welcome somebody in or explain anything means that Google's just got nothing to go off. And equally for a lot of customers, they'll land and go, right, I've never heard of these guys. And I'm going to take a pun and say a lot of people that I know tune into the podcast have got new stores or you're, it's a side project, you're working full time in a job and have the Shopify store on the sides. Therefore, a lot of people are not going to know who you are. So actually, you better well introduce them. Otherwise, they're definitely not going to buy anything because they're not going to buy anything from a site they don't know about and certainly, most importantly, don't trust. And so I completely agree with what Brandon said. I think having those 400 words, even if you put them at the bottom or what we do sometimes is put them at the top with a read more button that then expands them out. So we don't, we don't start moving products too far below what we call the fold, the bottom of the, the screen that the customer sees. But equally, we can get that content in there so Google knows what it's going off. And also for a customer, if they're like, okay, I've never bought this product before. I'm a bit new to this. I've never heard of these guys. They can actually read a bit of content at the top and be like, oh, okay, that's quite interesting. These guys have, you know, it's a hand-picked collection that was all made in the US. Well, that, that might be a, a good box tick. It might be a USP about your particular product, which means you're starting to answer the customer questions. You're going to get a better conversion rate. And if people buy your product, Google's going to want to send more traffic in. With product pages as well, it is, it is a real challenge to work out how to make them all individual. And 
you mentioned earlier, Brandon, about the, um, yeah, if you've got 10,000 products, sitting down to write unique 400 words times 10,000 products, you're literally looking at millions now in terms of millions of descriptions you're actually going to have to write. And that's just not going to be feasible for almost any business in the world. So you've got to find a way of kind of connecting those dots. Collection is a good place to do it. You could also write some content that's similar on every page. It's not entirely unique. It's also not entirely copied. But again, it's, it's about content and making sure the content is actually relevant to the keywords. It's where that keyword list, that keyword tracking is so important. So the next question then, I think, and you might disagree with this, but I think in selling SEO, there's two types of searcher on Google. Or you could put almost every keyword, almost every customer into one of two camps. One camp, which you mentioned with the long tail keywords, they sort of know what they want. They're kind of educated. They've got good high intent. They want to buy something and they want to buy it pretty quickly. Then you've got the other type of user that I think I want to buy something eventually, but I'm not quite ready yet. I've got some questions. And actually, I might be typing those questions into Google. So how can Shopify stores in particular, where Shopify itself is so focused on like homepage, which is one page, then collections, then products, how can you start to feed some more of that information or actually build some pages and build some content around some of those more kind of questions, low intent, I'm not ready to buy yet, but if you could answer my questions, I might buy a product. How can people, you know, from a technical perspective, a Shopify perspective, how can we start to write content and build those kind of pages? Yeah, so more question type pages would be blogging. Well, there's a few ways you could do it, but blogs are a great way to just add more content to your website without necessarily updating your product or collection category pages or the homepage. So blogging about those keywords, but also you can incorporate those questions on the individual or on the category collection pages. So I would search into Google, just like I was talking about earlier, like go to Google, search for your keywords. So if you're selling running shoes, you could just type in like running shoes into Google. Mm -hmm. And there's a section that's called people also ask him there. And that's all high search volume phrases or questions that people frequently ask to Google. So if you take those questions verbatim and answer them in a unique way, potentially Google will show you and that people also ask, but also people ask that a lot. So this is going to be a good thing to put on your website, like an FAQ section on each collection and trying to answer as many relevant questions and answers. Then you can even mark up that FAQ section, the frequently asked question section with schema schema.org is a, another coding language that Google being or all the search engines created a few years or like 10 plus years ago, but that's another way to enhance your listing. So sometimes you actually see the FAQ questions in the search results on a website, not often anymore, but sometimes it appears there. So if you get take those questions, answer them on the collection page, add that FAQ schema code to it, that would be really beneficial. And then also blogging too, like I was saying, just create blog posts about that those questions. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think certainly you mentioned schema. If anyone doesn't know what that is, do a quick Google on schema. Google call it structured data is another buzzword just to keep everything nice and complicated, um, which I say very sarcastically. But yeah, check out, check, it's called FAQ schema or FAQ structured data is what Google calls it. But yeah, certainly check out those kind of things. And I think, as Brendan says, I think creating blog posts, creating pages around this type of, you know, sort of question content and slowly nurture people towards a sale. So you could actually answer the question, link from the answer as well, back to products or collections that are relevant. So we've got a client, for example, who sell a lot of things for babies. So like push chairs, prams, buggies, car seats, clothes, all the rest of it. And one of the things we have on there is a blog post. It's all about buggy or push chair. 
is what it's called. And what the question we're answering with that, and the question we rank for really well in the UK, and also on their, their Irish store as well, is the question that we're trying to answer is, should I get a pushchair or a buggy? Or what is the difference between a pushchair and a buggy? And that blog post is covered in like our recommended pushchairs, our recommended buggies. And we make a lot of money when people land on that post, which is cool. And that's just one example of where you can write a piece of content, try and rank well for it, and it can actually drive revenue for your business. Because there's always a danger, I think, with, with a lot of these things that you build lots of cool guides, lots of FAQs, and then you don't actually make any money from it. Or you can't quantify like what was the actual impact from that. We've seen plenty of sites over the years, and I'm, I'm sure you have as well, Brandon, where it's like people have loads and loads of traffic, terrible conversion rate across the site. And then when you look at the landing pages, everyone's landing on these FAQs and getting answers to stuff. And I'm sure you've got some examples of sites like that in the past as well. Yeah, it's all about just having that balance and making sure it looks good because you got to make sure everything is both optimized for Google and for people because if you're just optimizing for Google, you'll get that traffic. But unfortunately, most of the time, traffic leaves, bounces. It's called the bounce rate. So if you're looking at like Google Analytics, which I recommend over Shopify or any other platforms analytics because it's free, it's from Google, it's going to show you a lot of detailed information about what's going on with your website, what's working, what's not working, but you've got to make sure that you're getting the people that are ready and getting them into your funnel, whether it's having them read a blog post and in that blog post, you have clickable links that point back to your products or collections, or you have the FAQ schema and make sure that's marked up properly and make sure it doesn't just take over all the space on the website Usually I would recommend putting it at the bottom of the page because most people don't necessarily need to see that stuff, but it's more for the search engines for Google. And occasionally when people do search, they'll see that question and answer answered and it becomes really relevant to them and helps them out. So let's move on to part three of three of today then. We've improved the technical stuff, we've got good page speed, we've got good content and people are getting answers to questions and they're having a great time on the site. Sometimes you get to a point where you're kind of like, I think we've kind of done everything on SEO, but obviously SEO is never done. And one of the things that often comes into play at that point, and I often find it is very much third on the agenda, is offsite. So, Brandon, give us a sort of 101. What is offsite SEO? Offsite SEO is getting other websites to talk about or building trust because Google doesn't trust anybody. Google sees your website, they see that you put all these keywords on your website, but they don't really care. They don't care what you put on your website without building up that trust because they just look at you as shady, sketchy website that is like, all right, we don't know who you are and we don't want to rank you because there's all these other people that we've trusted over the years that we know they're selling the product and they're not going to be changing. It's kind of weird, but like half the internet's kicked off Google or half the websites are kicked off Google for doing weird, shady stuff. So you got to build that trust up with Google. And the best way to build trust up is by getting other websites to talk about you. It's called backlinks. It's the more websites that talk about you, the more trust Google's going to have. And then Google's going to look at the keywords on your website to figure out what to rank you for. But it doesn't work the other way around. And it's been primarily based off backlinks ever since Google's algorithm started. That's how they rank websites. It's changed a lot how they look at backlinks over the years, but it's still based pretty heavily on backlinks. But nowadays, they're looking for quality backlinks. And what is a quality backlink? Quality backlink just means it comes from a website that's related to what you're doing and an authoritative website. So if you're like selling running shoes and you're getting a backlink from an SEO company, that looks a little strange. It doesn't really align. You want websites that are related to like fashion, shoes, clothing, athletes, like sports. It doesn't have to be exactly what you're doing, just somewhat related to what you're doing. So 
that's really, really a big part of SEO. And what pretty much takes up the majority of my day is building backlinks for myself, for my clients, and just building up that trust from Google. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned about the the kind of, we call them high quality links. Um, and it's so important to make sure you've got links of good quality. And I, the classic one is where, I say classic, back in the olden days, a lot of SEO companies just built millions of websites that had no real purpose under the sun. It was like, literally, a lot of them were called directories. And it was just like, there's here's hundreds and hundreds of websites all listed on a site, literally in a list. I mean, there might be a site they were linking to. But it was just like, here's a site purely for the sake of building backlinks. You mentioned Google's changed a lot over the years. The, yeah, the fundamental is the same. Like, let's get a backlink from a, a site of value. If you go down that route of just getting loads of bad quality backlinks, Google is going to kick you off Google very, very quickly. You're going to lose all your traffic. So, yeah, one bit of advice. Please don't do that. What you want, is Brandon mentioned, I'll give some examples of this, um, some links we built for clients over the last few years. You want links that are either sort of a sidestep from what you do or they're directly associated. So if you had an article that you'd written and that went out in the national news, say you were a financial institution or a mortgage advisor, as a good example, so you're a mortgage advisor and how people can get mortgages to buy their first home. And you've written an article about you know why you use a mortgage advisor. And that article talks all over the place about mortgage advisors. That gets published in a really well-known, highly regarded publication in the housing and uh, housing and people section of the paper. And it links back to your site with loads of links saying, you know, you can check this out. If you want some mortgage advice, go here. These mortgage advisors recently won an award and that links to a page on their site with the award and whatever. That's all really, really good, high quality, super relevant stuff, unlike the directories. Another one we had um, a while ago is uh, quite simple. We were working with a company that sold lots of things for pets, so for dogs and for cats especially. And they were getting links from lots and lots of kennels. So although the kennels themselves, they're not a threat, they're not a competitor, they're not trying to get links from competitors or anything like that. But a kennel is where you leave your dog or cat when you go on holiday. So having links from there to say, you know, if you come and stay at our kennel, we buy all of our food and medicines and equipment and everything else from this trusted petshop.com or whatever they're called. Um, again, really, really good link. So have a think about where to get good links from. And a really good way to do it, and I'm sure you've done this as well, Brandon, in the past, is a good way to do it, as you mentioned earlier, look at competitors. I think the, the fastest way we learn or build a list of who we should get links from is to look at your competitors. Because if they've got a link, we probably want a link from a similar place as well. What other linking strategies are there, Brandon, or, or anything to say on those points? Yeah, no, definitely go for quality. Don't just get as many backlinks, but focus on quality backlink, quality websites, anywhere where it says free listing, like those directories or anything like that. It's not going to be the best. You want to go for places that don't just say add your website, add your link, because Google's going to devalue those and not give them as much value as they used to in the past. So yeah, go on for quality and relevancy, getting on other related sites. One way to do that is by blogging on other websites. So like building relationships with other websites and that are related to your industry and seeing if you could potentially give them some content that in exchange, that content would have a clickable link that points back to your website and they're getting free content. You're getting a backlink. So it's kind of a win-win situation for everyone. That's usually the safest way to build backlinks nowadays in 2022. But again, there's so many different ways, but focus on quality. Don't just go on a site like Fiverr and <laughs> then buy backlinks anywhere where it's like too good to be true. It usually means it is, has a catch, and that catches Google probably bought all those backlinks and penalized all those websites because Google has 
an infinite budget and they make all the money off Google ads. So <laughs> they don't want you to do SEO necessarily. And they're happy to penalize a website that's trying to game the system or trick them and make you spend that money on their ads. So just be careful with them. That's, that's the one part where Google updates around them frequently. And the one thing that gets constantly updated is the backlinks, like looking at how they qualify backlinks because people always find ways to trick Google or game the system. And backlinks are usually what people find loopholes in, but just be careful. Yeah, definitely. We have a phrase we use a lot here, which is if you don't think a customer is going to click on the link, don't build it. So if someone's in a directory looking at a directory of where to buy a new boat and you sell parts for boats, great place to be. You could absolutely, you know, you could highly expect a customer who's looking at buying a boat to actually also want to buy some parts for that boat. That makes a lot of sense. Whereas if somebody is currently reading a blog from somebody who does a lot of traveling, and then you're suddenly there talking about the latest hardware for a computer, completely irrelevant. So yeah, make sure that make sure it's high quality. And as I say, I think we often try to aim for, for links that we think a customer would click on. If you get link building right, you can also drive traffic from the links you're building. And that's the most important part, I think. What Google's looking for is they want a site that's being spoken about regularly, that's highly recommended from other places. And yeah, Brandon, you put it really well, I think, talking about trust. Social channels are an interesting topic with offsite, aren't they? What would you recommend to people with social channels uh, or how to use social channels to drive offsite SEO? Social media doesn't help out for SEO, but it definitely brings in traffic. So I'd recommend using social media, but if you're trying to get backlinks from social media or get more rankings from Google, it's not going to work because <laughs> Google is pretty much blocked from all social media channels. They're all direct competitors, except for YouTube. Google owns YouTube and Google has a partnership with Twitter, but even there, it's only so far. So you really need to focus. I mean, if you want to do social media, it's okay, but it's tough to get people off social media. Like usually platforms like Instagram, they lock you in there. They don't want you to leave Instagram. So getting traffic from social onto your website is tricky, but Pinterest is pretty good at that. If you're selling something that people would want to use from Pinterest. So you just have to understand like what social platforms you're utilizing, who's your audience. If you're selling like something with DIY, fashion, crafting, female-oriented, Pinterest is going to be huge for you. But if you're selling something that's like men's grooming products, it might not be the most relevant on Pinterest. I would still try it, test it out. You never know what's going to work, but you just have to know who your audience is and what platforms are on and how to get them to leave there. But just test. You never know what platform is going to work for you. Every business is different. And just like with SEO, we could find your competitors and see what platforms are active on, on social media, see if they're using Facebook, are they on Instagram, are they on Twitter, are they on TikTok? If they're using them, look at how often they're posting or are they getting engagement? If nobody's engaging with them, maybe it's not the platform that you should be on. And I think something you touched on there, which is uh, definitely falls in the social media camp, not, not SEO, but something I've been wanting to mention for a while on the, on the podcast is exactly what you've just said about social. So if somebody's got like a million followers, a business has got a million followers on uh, Facebook or Instagram or something, and you look at the engagement, that they're actually getting on the posts and you find they're getting like 20 or 30 likes from this audience of a million and they're getting absolutely nothing. It's not active. It's not working for them. You can be, uh, you can be fairly sure of that, which is cool. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll, we'll bring things to a close there. Um, how can people reach out to you? How can they, uh, how can they get in touch if they want some, uh, want some help? Yeah. So for everyone that listened today, I created a special gift for everyone on my website. If you go to, seooptimizers.com forward slash gift. That's S-E-O-O-P-T 
I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash gift. And there's a special gift for everyone there. And if they want to reach out to me, they could reach out there as well and get all my contact information. Nice, nice. And I mean, look, it's, it's rare we have two of us doing exactly the same thing here. Um, so if anyone wants any SEO support as well, we do do that at Parker. We have a, a set plan as well. So feel free to reach out. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us again, Brandon. We'll be back again next week, as always. And again, last time I'll plug this today, and I'll be plugging this again at the beginning of next week. Um, send in all your questions. Feel free to ask me anything you like. If we read out any of your questions and answer them, we will also link out to your store as well and your name. And we'll say it verbally on the podcast and link in the description. So make sure you go and check that out. But thanks for listening today. Back again next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.